Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Story time. Dry. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Driving home from dinner with my ex-wife. We took an off-road path on accident because I made a wrong turn. Figured I'd keep going because we were heading east and that was our destination Antway. Creepy dark road with some corn fields on the sides. Suddenly my ex-wife says, what's that? Me, what? Her, they're up ahead on the side of the road. Is that a person? Now I have perfectly fine eyes and so did she but I didn't see a damn thing. Me, I don't see anything. At this point she turns to me looking angry and says, stop messing with me. Look. Me, irritated, I don't see a thing. She looked at me confused and horrified like I've never seen her before and then looks back at the figure and says, WTF it's a man with a briefcase and a hat. Now I got a bit worried since the look on her face was way too genuine and spooked to be a stupid prank. So we get closer and I still don't see a thing and she turned quiet as her head started turning as we came up to this man I did not see. So I stick my neck out and turned on and off the bigger lights in the car to see what the hell she was seeing. Nothing. I see absolutely nothing but corn and a road. So we pass by this man. She turns white and starts whimpering and she basically begs me, please tell me you saw that, I'm freaking out, please please. Again I tell her calm down, I really didn't see anything what is wrong with you. I then peek next to her to view my mirror and I don't know how or why or whatever, but there he was. For just half a second I saw a man, standing at the side of the road all in black and a hat on. I couldn't see the briefcase but I am 100% sure I saw him standing there looking at me through the mirror as he went out of the mirror's reflection. So I froze for a second and then quickly looked out the back window, nothing. My ex-wife knew I saw it too, OMG you just saw it too. I told you I saw it. Please drive go go. We went home and I haven't stopped thinking about that day, ever. I'm not religious and I don't believe in the paranormal or superstitious stuff. But for the life of me, I cannot explain how my ex-wife saw this person for a good 20 seconds and I did not until I passed by and saw his reflection in the mirror while he was illuminated from my taillights. We spoke about it when we got home and tried finding explanations but really we never understood why a man what looked like a black suit. A black hat and a black briefcase was doing on a dark lonely road like that in 3 degrees Celsius. On a December night at 22.30. As a park ranger, I thought I had seen it all. From lost hikers to animal attacks, I had dealt with my fair share of emergencies. But nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to discover. I received a call from the local police department about a group of campers who had gone missing while hiking in a remote part of the park. As I set out to search for them, I had a sinking feeling in my stomach that something was not right. As I made my way through the dense forest, I began to notice strange symbols etched into the trees and rocks. They looked like they were from an ancient language, 
and it was clear that they were not made by any human hand. As I continued on, I heard strange noises in the distance. They sounded like whispers, but there was no one around. The air grew thick and heavy, and I could feel something watching me from the shadows. Finally, I stumbled upon a clearing in the woods. It was surrounded by massive stones that were arranged in a circle, like a giant altar. In the center of the circle was a deep hole, and I could hear faint screams coming from inside. I approached the hole cautiously and peered inside. What I saw made my blood run cold. It was a group of campers, huddled together and trembling in fear. They were surrounded by dark, shadowy figures that seemed to be feeding off their fear and misery. I realized then that I had stumbled upon an ancient evil that had been lurking in the woods for centuries. The symbols, the whispers, the screams, they were all part of a sinister ritual that was designed to bring forth this evil from its slumber. As I tried to rescue the campers, the shadows closed in around me. I could feel their cold breath on my neck, their fingers tracing my skin. I knew then that I had to act fast if I wanted to survive. I dug deep within myself and summoned every ounce of courage I had. With a roar, I lunged forward and tackled one of the shadowy figures. It let out a guttural scream as I plunged my knife into its chest, and the rest of the shadows dissipated into thin air. The campers were safe, but I knew that the evil was still out there, lurking in the shadows. And as I made my way back to the park headquarters, I couldn't shake the feeling that it was watching me, waiting for its next victim. I had always dreamed of living in a small town, with friendly neighbors and a cozy house. So, when I got a job offer in a picturesque town in the middle of nowhere, I jumped at the chance. I found a charming little house on the outskirts of town and moved in without a second thought. At first, everything seemed perfect. The house was just what I wanted, the neighbors were friendly, and the town had a quaint charm that I couldn't resist. But soon, strange things started happening. Objects would move on their own, strange noises would wake me up in the middle of the night, and I would see ghostly figures in the shadows. I brushed it off as my imagination playing tricks on me, but things only got worse. One night, I woke up to find a group of Native American spirits standing at the foot of my bed. They looked angry and vengeful, and I knew that something was terribly wrong. I asked them what they wanted, and they just stood silent. When I covered my face with blanket, they disappeared. Next morning, I did some research and discovered that my house had been built on a sacred Native American burial ground. The spirits were angry that their resting place had been disturbed, and, I suppose, they were seeking revenge or something. I called the local park ranger for help. He was a friendly guy who knew a lot about the local history and culture. He came to my house and performed a ritual to banish the spirits. At least it looked like it. I did felt a sense of relief as the spirits faded away, but my relief was short-lived. As the park ranger left, I started to shake. I called him with my last dying breath and he rushed inside. I was lying on the ground, my body twisted in unnatural ways. I realized with horror that this is it. I'm dying. Local newspapers said that the park ranger had unintentionally killed a young woman while trying to banish the spirits. Later on, he was filled with grief and guilt. He was comprehended by police because he was a suspect of a murder. No one knew that the park ranger had been trying to help young woman, and his actions unintentionally had led to tragedy. He was devastated by what had happened and in the end, ended his life. I was stationed in Idaho at Mountain Homa FB. The air base is situated at the end of a long road going out into the desert, and at the time, it's been quite a while so don't know what it's like today, there was only a gas station and a restaurant as you approach the base. Pretty lonely area at the time. As I passed the gas station, it was pretty late at night, around 11.30pm or so. A pewter grey Volkswagen rabbit pulled out suddenly from the station, right in front of me, making me swerve to avoid hitting it. I was pretty PO'd so took note of the description and the license plate. 
Just then, it vanished. I saw the driver and passengers had enough to get a a description. My wife just looked at me, and said did you see that? And we didn't speak about it anymore that night. The next day I gave the license plate and description to a friend of mine who was a local cop in town, and asked him to follow up on it. I didn't mention the vanishing. A few days later, he stopped by the house, and asked me if I thought I was being funny. And was pretty upset, not my intention, a vehicle matching that plate and description, with the two people inside that I had described, had pulled out from that gas station one year ago at that day and time and had cut off another vehicle, causing them to get hit and lose control, killing them both. It had happened before we moved there, and I had no prior knowledge of it. We all agreed to just avoid talking about it, but he was pretty shaken as well. My uncle was a lorry driver. He would go to many countries in Europe transporting large kitchen appliances. He would go to many countries between Turkey and England, collecting the goods from Turkey and bringing them to the countries in Europe and when he came to England he would visit us. I'm not 100% sure on the details of his job, all I know is, kitchen appliances, Turkey, European countries, England. As you know a few years back there was a huge flood of Syrian refugees trying to go to England specifically for some reason. Well someone analyzed my uncle's route, decided it was the best route for the refugees, made the refugees pay all the money they had. When my uncle did a pit stop in Hungary and he was sleeping on the side of the road in his lorry, 23 individual Syrian refugees entered his lorry, I'm not too sure but I believe the lorry's storage units are airtight, let's say it is, a sick cunt took all the money off 23 refugees promising them they'd go to England locked them in an airtight lorry storage unit. They stayed in there for 18 to 24 hours until they were caught at the border of France. Now, doesn't sound too scary, but imagine you're my uncle. Hi uncle. You park your lorry in a ferry off to Dover in England. They call you down back to your lorry from the ship saying they found something in the storage unit. Out comes off 23 people, all malnourished, struggling to breath, sweaty, bewildered, poor refugees. Once my friend and I were heading from Venice to Punta Gorda in my old Dodge minivan. Simple enough drive, but it goes through a part of central Florida which is almost completely empty, because eff it, late night road trip to deliver AQP and less cops. We drove on these non-lined roads and when we came to where we were supposed to meet with buddy of mine, that road had a police roadblock. In the middle of but F nowhere. F, definitely can't go that way, so we detour around some roads in an attempt to get there another way. Big mistake as we were running low on gas, I swear we were below E the entire time. The road we took to get away from the cops ended up being around you have to drive about 70 miles to the even get to the next street. I should also mention these roads are absolutely straight for the most part and we haven't seen another car besides the cops for an hour. No giant turns and if anything there were just spots of woodland that gave into giant open fields that extended for miles in all directions. As we're coming around this small bend out of a woodland area into a field we see a big rig traveling normal speed and we're going to catch up to him I realize. We're probably about a mile behind him but we can still see the headlights and everything. As we go around another slight bend in the field we lose sight of him until we come up to the straightaway. Except that when we got to the straightaway there was no trucker. There was no truck anywhere to be seen. This isn't a type of place where you can just pull off the side behind some trees and be lost to an observer. There were no trees or anything to hide a giant big rig. It was an open field and this giant truck absolutely vanished without a trace. There was no possible explanation and both my friend and I were super spooked and made haste to get the F out of there. Finally somehow made it to Lafayette and there was a gas station open, thank Christ. Filled up got the F out of there and delivered our bag with much sketchiness, but if you're ever driving out in Punta Gorda at 2 in the morning. I 
I used to have about an hour-long commute home through a very rural area. One particular evening, part of the main road I always took was closed, so there was a detour down a one-lane gravel road. The last stretch before you reach the highway again is perfectly straight, and there is nothing but perfectly flat fields on either side of the road for the better part of a mile. Also, this road isn't really elevated above the level of the fields on either side. And the fields were empty at that time. Flat. It wasn't completely dark yet, but very nearly, clear sky, and it was a dead still night. I was about to start slowing down, when I saw something to the left side of the road coming toward the road. It looked wispy, and I couldn't quite make out what it was. Then it seemed to jump in a smooth arc, straight over the roadway, maybe a foot or two high, and the only way I can describe it is, it looked like a ghost fox. Like it wasn't solid and left sort of a smoky trail behind it. I stopped immediately and looked out to the right in the direction it had gone, and there was nothing. I can still see it in my mind, clear as day. I think it must have been just the perfect storm for me to have a mild hallucination. Only thing I can figure. Just a random thing that happened in my brain. My first though afterward was a piece of clear plastic blowing in the wind, and my brain distorted it, but there was no wind, and there was nothing there immediately after. Also, it didn't happen that fast, and I had a moment to take it in, and... Ghost Fox. That's what I saw. I don't believe that's what it was. I once went up to a small mountain town in Colorado with my dad to stay for a few days. We have a cabin up there and so we had a place to stay. After we got settled in and were in our beds, my dad opened all the windows, they had screens, to let natural air blow through the cabin. Two of these windows were in the bedroom with us, one of them very large and was directly above the main bed where I slept. Two weird things happened that night. I was kinda restless that night, so I woke up at random times before falling asleep again. At one point I woke up and it was sometime early in the morning, and I heard rustling outside. I didn't think anything of it until I realized they were footsteps. I started to listen a little more closely and realized they didn't sound like an animal walking, but more like something standing up and kinda shuffling through the leaves. I was a little freaked out because it sounded like it was right outside the window. But I started to lose consciousness again and concluded it may have been a deer. Some time passed and I woke up again to hear more rustling, then suddenly, a dog's howl. Like a wolf or a coyote, howling right outside the window. In my head I just thought nope. Then there was another howl. And another. And another. And another. More and more howling just kept popping up and it kept getting louder and louder. I was too tired to be freaked out, so I just grabbed another pillow and slammed it on my head to cover my ears. I told myself nope, I don't have time for this. And tried to block out the noise to go back to sleep. It eventually died down and I passed out again. The next morning I was telling my dad about the rustling. As I started to tell him about the howling, he piped up and said did you also hear that howling? I said yeah before he gave a nervous chuckle about it and went back to his stuff. Honestly I'm more freaked out about what the rustling and walking prior to the howling could have been. Because windows are about normal height and someone who's tall could easily have looked in on us sleeping. I was 17 at the time. I had already started deer hunting a few years ago, and had been hunting on my grandfather's land during the season. One day I had spent most of the day sitting in one of our quad stands with the windows that can latch up on all sides. It hadn't been an exciting day for me. There wasn't a deer in sight. The only noises came from distant rifle blasts or the occasional bird or rodent moving through the area. The sun was starting to set, and I decided to start heading back. I was fairly deep in the woods, and it would take me roughly 20 minutes to get back on the trail and another 10 to make it back to my grandparents' house. However, the moment I began walking back, I started hearing howling in the distance. At first I thought it was a dog, but then I heard more following in suit. 
At that point I realized it was coming from a pack of wolves, but I didn't think much of it as it was coming from deeper in the woods and was quite distant. Several minutes passed, then I heard the howling again. This time it was coming from the opposite direction, and it was closer. I never was one for being easily frightened, but my mind told me I should probably start moving faster. As the minutes passed, the wolves howling began more erratic and louder. I heard it behind me, in front of me, to my left, and to my right. I was becoming paranoid and I started to think am I being surrounded? Are they hunting me? I tried to block those thoughts from my mind, reassuring myself that wolves rarely ever attacked humans. But I was alone, deep in the forest these predators call home. And darkness was fast approaching. I was an easy target. Every noise made me jump, from the crack of twigs beneath my feet to the scurrying of squirrels on the treetops. I gripped my rifle against my chest, at the ready, prepared to shoot any wolf that came near me. I began hearing footsteps. They were growing louder and were coming from my front. The brush was deep and I had trouble making out what it was. Getting to my knees, I aimed my rifle, ready to shoot. A few moments later, I saw the blaze orange of my father's jacket as he came into view. He saw me aiming the rifle and Neil Rye had a heart attack yelling don't shoot. I don't think I was ever so relieved to see my father in my entire life. Many years ago. My buddy and I had spent the night repoing cars. It was about 3 am. We were in one of the cars we picked up, driving back to get another vehicle. Stopped at the light heading south on New Hampshire AV, at the intersection of Route 70 and Toms River NJ, in the turning lane, a 9798 Honda CRV pulls up next to us. I glance over, and the person in that car had no face. This was 2003, before all the weird masks that you can now buy, and I pointed out to my buddy. Holy shit dude, that person has no face. He looks over, confirms it, the left turn signal comes on and no face heads east on 70. I asked my buddy about it years later and he went white as a ghost. He thought he had dreamt it, that's why he never mentioned it. My dad drove long haul, lumber, cattle, military, and hazmat for 33 years before he got out of a truck. This story comes from him and while it's not especially paranormal it makes me glad he's alive to tell it. I don't remember all the details, but he was driving long haul back in the 70s or 80s in the Midwest. He decided to stop at a truck stop to get a few hours of sleep before continuing on and ended up leaving earlier than he planned because of a phone call, I believe. Listening to the news the next day he heard that the truck stop he'd slept at was completely destroyed by a freak tornado less than two hours after he'd left. Still makes me shiver thinking my dad could have died that day in Tornado Alley. Bonus, I now work with him at a hazmat gasoline tanking company as a dispatcher. We lost a driver a year ago to a freak accident. Guy showed up to work like normal, took off over Donner Pass from Nevada to a station in Northern California. He got on Highway 20 to head further north and a few miles past the junction a large semi-tow truck heading the opposite direction crossed over into his lane before he could react. Both trucks exploded instantly killing both drivers, and the resulting gasoline fire burned away part of the road. No remains. My dad remembers hearing about the wreck, checking our GPS tracking, and calling our driver's phone with no answer for an hour before it was confirmed. Reminds all of our drivers that the unexpected can happen at any moment on a seemingly normal day of work. I also worry immensely if I ever hear of a tanker accident on any of our regular routes and check in regularly with my drivers to make sure they're okay. All 10 of our boys are my friends and burying any of them would be devastating. So this story didn't happen to me but to my fiancé and her mother. We both live in a rather large town in England. This town isn't really a nice place to be honest. It's rough in most areas but it's home. This is relevant. 
So anyway both my fiancé and her mother were at the hospital one day for a reason I can't remember but it wasn't anything serious. They had to take the elevator to get to their floor. Did their thing and then got back on the elevator. When they got off they said they were in a part of the hospital they'd never seen before. Even the elevator doors were different. They were like olden iron frame ones that you had to pull across yourself. They both went to get out when a nurse walked past them. She was dressed head to toe in an old 50s-60s nurse uniform and looked at them very angrily telling them they weren't supposed to be there. My fiancé then looked out the window near the elevator and noticed trees that weren't on that side of the building and that the weather had changed suddenly from being rainy and grey to sunny. This never usually happens in England in the middle of February time. They both immediately got back in the elevator and took it up to the floor they were just on and then took the other one back down. To this day not many people believe them. Some tried to say that maybe they were filming a TV show or film, but like I said our town is quite rough and the only show we had was one showing how rough it was. Plus my fiancé never found any information in the local papers about some filming happening. Normally if some filming had happened it was breaking news for our town. The hospital still freaks me out to this day and I refuse to walk about it alone. This happened fairly recently. About six months ago, my brother, mother, aunt and I were driving home from my grandparents' house. It was about 9 p.m. and we were driving down a very long road that stretched for miles on end. At this point of time we couldn't see anything without our headlights so they were on the brightest setting. As we were driving down this road we suddenly heard what seemed to be a motorcycle revving next to us. But as we looked out of our windows we saw nothing. This noise kept fluctuating getting louder and quieter as we kept going down the road. This noise dragged out for another 5 minutes as we were trying to figure out where it came from. We turned off the radio, opened and closed the windows and even stopped the car to only still hear this revving noise, and keep in mind there were no houses, cars, towns for miles. We still haven't figured out where the noise came from and haven't heard it since. We still talk about this paranormal occurrence to this day as a reminder to never drive down that road at night again. I have two stories, hope I'm not too late to the party. I would like to preface this by saying I think my dog is my guardian angel. I was camping in Gloucester, Mississippi on the Audubon's property when I was about six. We went with a group of entomologists and they took up the whole main house so we had to camp out in the forest. When we woke in the morning my father left to go to the main house to get some breakfast. He left me in the tent with our dog and drove about 4 to 5 miles back. I was trying to go back to sleep when I was awoken to my dog growling and looking more freaked out than she had ever before. I heard something brushing itself up against the tent going around and around. I grabbed my dog and pulled her into my sleeping back as I quietly wept watching and listening as something was creeping around. As it began pushing against the tent harder and harder I began to audibly sob. At which point I heard its terrible scream. It was a mountain lion. My dog kept growling and I kept crying for what seemed like hours. Finally I heard my dad pull up in his old truck. I told him into this day he does not believe me. He's one of those see it to believe it type of people. But my next story is something that started to make him believe. My dad used to take our dog with when he worked as a self-employed contractor in the uptown area of New Orleans. After work he and my dog picked me up so upon arriving to our house it was approximately midnight. Our house is quite old and used to be owned by one of the members of the Marcello family. The way the house is set up is the driveway is on the right side of the home and as you go through the garage it leads to our kitchen and then our dining room and living room and so forth. As soon as we unlocked the door it was like we could feel it. Something was off and my dog could tell it too. She started growling and was tugging at her leash. My dad shouted out asking if anyone was there. We approved the dining room which held an old circular table that came with the house. The table had around 8 heavy chairs around it. 
As we got closer my dog was no longer trying to get at something but instead pulling away. I picked her up and just as I did one by one all of the dining room chairs pulled back and the lights flipped off. After a few seconds the lights flipped back on and I looked at my dad. We both had astonished looks on our faces. I knew since it had startled him it was really something strange and cried. I cannot give any logical explanation as to why that happened. My boyfriend and I were driving through the mountains in Colorado, close to Copper Mountain, actually. It was the middle of the day and we were listening to music but were both silent. Through the windshield I noticed a bright circular light hovering at the same elevation of the surrounding canyon walls, probably 12,000 feet, or approximately 3,000 feet above the highway. I watched it for 15-20 seconds. All of the sudden, it shot up and disappeared from view. My boyfriend said that he looked over and saw my face and knew I saw it too. I think both of our jaws dropped. Now, I don't necessarily believe that a UFO means we witnessed anything extraterrestrial, but we definitely saw an unidentified flying object. I mean, Cheyenne Mountain is only about two half hours away from this spot. My family and I went camping every summer on a lake in a very rural part of our state. This lake has no houses on it as it was state land, and I later learned that camping was prohibited, but we would load up our aluminum rowboat and make three trips across the lake with enough gear and firewood to last five seven days. We always camped out on a narrow peninsula that had a clearing big enough for three four tents and spent our days fishing and swimming. The lake wasn't huge, but in order to hike to where we were camped, it was about 5 miles from the nearest road. One summer night when I was 11 or 12, I set up my tent further into the woods about 100 feet away from where my parents and younger brother were sleeping. I had recently discovered masturbation, and didn't want to put my tent near my parents where they might hear me fapping. Anyhow, things start off like usual. My dad takes me and my brother fishing while my mom starts making her famous camping stir-fry, and we all have a great night around the campfire. Eventually we all retire to our tents and sleep for the night. At around 3 am I woke up to the sound of slow footsteps. Crunch. Stop. Crunch. Stop. Closer, and closer the sound got. My heart started racing. I was old enough to not feel like a kid. But in that moment I was totally down for the hide under the blankets and the monsters can't get you defense. At that time my major fears were aliens and Bigfoot, so I was certain that something was approaching my tent to abduct me and or drag me off into the wilderness. I hunkered down in the fetal position, safe in my sleeping bag, and the sound just kept getting closer. Eventually the Bigfoot alien was right outside my tent just standing in silence. Then it exhaled with the lung capacity of a woolly mammoth whoosh, dropped a handful of what sounded like jelly beans, turned around walked back into the forest. I never really got back to sleep, but a few hours later under the safety of the rising sun, I mustered the bravery to leave my tent and survey the area. Directly outside my tent was a pile of deer shit and a couple of fresh tracks. The woods are scary yo. Late to the party, I know, and not see, air or wilderness, but nine months or so ago I was exploring this 100 plus year old mostly abandoned sewer system, it connects to old privies and I was looking for old bottles and crap. I have strange hobbies, whatever, get over it. So I noticed this wire coming out of a borehole, followed it for a few blocks and found an old school rotary phone sitting on the floor. Picked it up and it had a dial tone. No idea who put it there, why they did, how long it had been there, or where it was plugged in at the surface. I was very tempted to call myself to get the phone number, but since I was trespassing, I got paranoid and decided it was probably a bad idea. The tunnel where the phone was sitting was entirely abandoned, bone dry and dead ended in collapse, probably about 40-50 feet below the surface. Still quite confused about it. A friend was there a few weeks ago and said he found it too, 
Still had a dial tone. No clue WTF is up with that phone. My family owns a small area of land out in the middle of nowhere in Missouri. This is not a commercial campground either, the nearest person is miles away. I haven't been back to this area in six years, since my grandfather owned it and he has since passed away. We were planning a trip to the campground and it takes about three hours to get from where I lived at the time to the site, going from highways eventually down isolated back roads. I rode down there with my grandfather, just me and him, in his truck. My parents and sister planned to arrive the next day. When we arrived it was in the late evening, so we didn't have much time to get everything unpacked before dark, so my grandfather just set up a tent and had us sleep in it until dawn. On the property is a small semi-rundown RV slash trailer and the remains of an abandoned old hunting cabin with half the roof caved in. To this day I have no idea where this cabin came from or who used it, or why it was destroyed, from where our tent was, I could see right inside that cabin. I could not fall asleep in the tent. It was fully zipped, but the small screen window was left open to allow cool air to drift inside. As I stared out into the dark I could see a pair of glowing yellowish blue eyes, like cat or deer eyes, coming from inside the cabin. As a young kid, I had no idea animal eyes did this, and informed my grandfather, who told me it was an animal and to go back to sleep. But every time I tried to sleep I would wake up and see those eyes staring at the tent, and I had woken up multiple times between the hours of 10 at night and 3 am to still see those eyes staring. Somehow, I eventually passed out, and when I woke up the next morning, I looked inside the cabin to see if any metal object could be glinting and cause the illusion. There were no metal objects inside. Why would an object gleam at night? And if it were an animal, why didn't it leave and walk away? Surely an animal would have left between those hours. After my grandfather passed, I never went back to that campsite, according to my father, it's because he doesn't want to go there anymore. This happened a few years back, maybe four or five, on a summer night. Sleeping in my room, windows closed, in a rural mountain area, but with plenty of houses and people around. It was maybe a Saturday night, the party night in the city. A very clear girl scream woke me up. It was coming from the road, I assume, and about 50-60 meters away from my house. She screamed three or four times, very loudly, then I didn't hear anything else. Being a rural, quiet area, that was creepy and clearly not something that would happen without some major event around it. I just assumed they were teenagers coming back from the club and, maybe, playing around, but I've got a nasty, creepy feeling that someone got kidnapped or worse right next to my house that night. It haunts me to this day that I never did anything, not even getting up and trying to look outside and maybe spot some car lights. I blame it on my sleepiness, maybe. The whole memory of it scares me to this day. Did not hear anything about it the next day. So a few years ago I took up hunting with my stepdad as his tradition in his family. He's from Northern Ontario, and we only hunt to fill our freezers. The first morning of my first hunt, I went out to my watch an hour and a half early, like the knob that I was. Let me tell you. There is nothing creepier than sitting in the bush in the pitch black, waiting for the sun to come up, and you can't even see your hand six inches from your face. Anyways, maybe about half an hour into sitting there and shitting my pants, I feel what I thought was a slight touch across the back of my neck. I shiver, turn around, nothing there, again dark as F, not the smartest guy here. Maybe five minutes later, same thing. Now I'm really creeped out. I clutch my gun closer than ever and call out, Hello? Someone there? No answer, of course. Swearing to myself, I turn around again, hoping that it's just my imagination. Nope. Few minutes pass by, same goddamn thing again. This time I jump up, stumble over a branch or maybe a rock, and eat dirt. 
Just as I'm about to get myself up, something grabs the back of my jacket, and yanks me onto my ass. At this point I'm screaming, then I realize whatever the F is there is screaming back. Then it dawns on me, that's hysterical laughter, not screaming. My stepdad spent half an hour creeping out to me just to scare the daylights out of me on my first hunt. I had to answer some pretty embarrassing questions about all the screaming before dawn when I got back to camp for lunch. I love that guy. My friend and I were camping at a large national park, and we knew there were other people in yelling distance away but we never saw them. We're sleeping one night in our single tent, and I woke up to very heavy, half-dragging, labored running steps in the gravel-slash-ground-slash-twigs and it is coming towards us. I'm trying to listen closer to it, and it's for sure a person, or something with two legs, and then I hear some word I can't understand, being repeated over and over again, in this exhausted, super heavy breathing almost whipster yell. This guy is yelling this nonsense word, but is still attempting to walk slash run slash drag their feet and they are 100% coming closer to our tent. The guy gets crazy close to our tent, it's pitch black at this point it's impossible to know if he saw it or not, keeps repeating this word and walks slash run slash drags his feet past. I'm so scared I'm crying, I get now why people cry in horror movies, and I'm trying to get my friend to wake up, they're the kind of person who wakes up with how what? He wakes up, and I explain what happened and how we need to get to our car that is parked close to our tent, maybe 10 steps away. He tells me it's fine, that he didn't hear anything and that the guy was clearing running away. I'm shaking, and pleading we go to the car. 20 minutes pass and the same running is coming towards us, but even slower, and with even more labored breathing. The guy is now yelling is anyone there? Anyone? and whispering that nonsense word to himself, and then running, stopping, and yelling anyone? At one point, he was so close to our tent his breathing felt like it was right over us. He very slowly dragged his feet past again. This is a huge, huge national park. For this guy to make this way all the way around is amazing, especially in the time he did it. My friend looks me in the eye and mouths get to the car. We run to the car and just stayed there awake scared until the sun came up. About a year ago I finished work late and had arranged to stay at a friend's house afterwards to get stoned, I decided I'd go home first and shower, eat and charge my phone, which I forgot to do. As I'm about to set off I notice it started to rain pretty heavy and decided I'd walk through the woods and cut my journey time in half. I had walked through these woods a hundred times before and never had anything strange or unsettling happen before, day or night. Within five minutes of entering the woods I get the feeling someone is right behind me, I check and no one is but I still have this uneasy and paranoid feeling. I end up glancing back over my shoulder every 10-20 seconds before I forced myself to stop being paranoid and man up. After walking for another 10 minutes or so I realize the rain has stopped and apparently so had everything else because there was no sound at all other than my breathing and footsteps. I stood still and listened to this deafening silence for a minute before I got that awful someone is stood less than a foot behind you turn around right now feeling that I had when I first entered and before I could even think about turning my head I felt something brush against my back. Now at this point I'm pretty much paralyzed with fear and just stood staring straight ahead and holding my breath for what felt like a lifetime, hoping it was my imagination until I felt the same brushing feeling on my shoulder. This time I immediately sprinted as fast as I could straight ahead. The ground was a little wet from the rain and I ended up slipping and hitting my head on a tree trunk hard enough that I felt immediately sick and dizzy. I tried to carry on running but my balance was awful and I kept sliding all over the place in the mud. I eventually just collapsed into some bushes and tried to call my friend but my phone had died. I did eventually manage to get to my feet again and kept going. I couldn't run because I was too dizzy but the entire time I was speed walking out of those woods I still felt uneasy and it was still dead quiet. To this day I'm unsure if anything was actually there with me, 
I know it wasn't a branch from a tree that brushed against me because no branches are that low next to the trail that I was walking on but even if I just imagined something touching me nothing could explain how quiet it got, I felt like I wasn't welcome there. In 2008 my wife and I left California on a 40 feet sailboat intending to sail as far west as we could. We spent weeks at a time without contact with another human being. Shortwave radio was often our only link to civilization, and eventually we were too far south and west even for that. We passed New Caledonia and didn't know what to expect as we approached Australia in the third year of our tour. Of course the Great Barrier Reef was on our charts, but we were sticking to shipping lanes to avoid grounding. So I was stunned when I took watch one calm morning and noticed a low dark brown shape on the horizon. To the west and south there seemed to be a massive sand bar or island that had risen out of nowhere. The sea was calm and the winds light so we cranked the engine and motored the last mile to this uncharted barrier. As we got closer, it became clear that it fortunately wasn't above the surface but it looked like a brown reef or bar or mass of logs that was only a few inches below the surface. But how could a reef so massive not exist on any chart? We swerved left and right looking for channels or breaks in the bar, but our depth sounder stayed pegged, so we had nothing to guide us through. We had no way of asking anyone whether it was safe to proceed, so when the reef no longer had any gaps to aim for, we tentatively poked the bow into it, with the engine in neutral. No grinding. No shudder. Just silence as the reef enveloped us. And our finicky depth sounder still stared back at us blankly. So I ran to the transom, intending to put on a mask and look below, but then I saw that it was just a brownish tint to the water, some chemical or brown oil. Worry that it was a dangerous chemical spill or weapons test gone wrong I dipped a bottle into it and tried to sample it without getting any on my hands. We continued puttering through this ocean of brown for miles before it eventually dropped away behind us as abruptly as it had appeared. I went ashore with my sample and intended to ask customs agents about it. The other sailors at the dock were oblivious. They'd not seen anything like it on their passage, never in their years of sailing these waters. But luckily, a wizened old man at the dock set me straight before I went insane with conspiracy theories. Turns out we'd just caught the Great Barrier Reef in its annual orgy. The brown color to the water was the spore of the reef that it releases all at once across the entire continental shelf of Australia. And this year, in Queensland, we had calm weather with little churning to dissipate the massive cloud of life. I was with a group touring the Red Woods in California. The path split. One stayed at floor level, the other cut up onto a mountain and brought you about halfway up the trees. The tour was full of older people, so they all stayed on the floor level, but I absolutely had to go. I'm up on the mountain path by myself, just soaking in the gorgeous scenery, listening to chipmunks slash squirrels jumping and climbing trees, birds chirping, smelling that earthy air, admiring how high I was, how tall the trees still towered above me, and focusing on getting good shots with my camera. Suddenly, I froze. Something wasn't right. I realized it was completely silent around me. The only thing I could hear was my own breath and the sound of my heartbeat in my ears. The sound that a predator was in the vicinity. I looked down but I was too high to see the lower trail. There really wasn't anything I could do. I stowed my camera in my bag and quickly, without running so as to enable a chase, continued down the trail. Sounds I could hear in the distance silenced as I drew nearer. I was terrified. I always knew hiking alone leads to the possibility of animal mauling, I'm a realist, but in that moment, I just wasn't ready to die. Suddenly, birds started immediately singing around me, and I could hear kids laughing and parents yelling at them to slow down. I turned and saw three young boys running up the rocks. I think their sudden loud presence startled whatever it was that was nearby, most likely some sort of mountain cat. I have never felt a greater sense of relief rush over me in my entire life, including the almost car accidents I avoided. 
I remember rejoining the group, blood still pumping from adrenaline. I remember snippets of the gift shop, the other people all asked me how the view was and if I saw anything good. I remember saying the view was great and lots of little wildlife, but inside I was still a mess. I didn't want to say what had happened. The rest of that tour is a blur. I just couldn't focus. I remember everything I saw before that, but only random bits and pieces of after. Weird how something like that affects you. Most of my childhood I lived in a farmland area in southeastern Idaho with a population of 400 people. Over the years you would hear of the spooky crap that haunts the farmers out in the fields and there is two that stick out. One is of a Native American, was an actual dude that lifted a sprinkler pipe into a telephone line and died back in the 80s, and the other was of a strangely almost seaweed type covered monster that would run with a spud truck in the early hours of spud harvest. Anyways years later I moved away but only 15 minutes away so I was able to keep my up with my friends there and visited regularly. One night in the summer while driving out to see them it was around 2am and it was pitch black out. I was speeding on a long windy road that I always take and when I took a bend to my passenger side I saw what I heard as a kid. The straggly looking monster was right there on the side of the road. It looked straight at me with its white eyes and black pupils as I stared back at it. I was going at least 70 and as I passed the monster it sprints with my car. It was at least 7 feet tall and it was just keeping pace with my car. I went up to 90 and he still just right next to me sprinting while I was shitting myself. After a mile of this the thing veers back off into the pitch black. Got to my friend's house and I don't think I slept that night. Four years have passed since then and haven't seen it, but I still get creeped the F out when I take that bend at night. Never figuring out what happened on this day has always bugged me. When I was about 10 years old my younger brother, a friend the same age as me, and I were riding our bikes from my friend's house back to mine. This happened in Florida in the winter time. It was about 8 am in the morning. The temperature was about 40 degrees Fahrenheit, which is on the cold side for Florida. Mine and my friend's houses were about 5 miles apart. The trip could be done on sidewalks along well-traveled roads, but there was a shortcut along a secluded dirt road that ran parallel to the railroad tracks. The distance among this part was about 1 mile, but it would save about one half mile off the total trip. For this section, there were lots of bushes along the tracks, and sometimes, hobos would sleep in the bushes. Our parents warned us not to take this route because there had been cases where the hobos had tried to abduct, and possibly succeeded, children and sexually abuse them. We always assumed that if the hobos tried that with us, we'd be able to get away. About halfway in the middle of this alternate route, which was the most secluded part of the trip, there was corn snake and a ceramic coffee mug in the middle of the dirt road. Being kids, naturally, we stopped to investigate. We poked the snake with a stick, and if it wasn't dead, it was a good actor. As of that wasn't strange enough, I picked up the coffee mug, which was filled to the brim with coffee and clearly had cream added to it, and the coffee was very hot. I got the creepiest feeling because I felt like we were being baited. I quietly told my brother and friend to get back on their bikes, and they didn't understand my sense of urgency. I held the coffee mug at the ready, and once they were on their bikes, I threw it into the bushes and told my brother and friend to book it, which they did. We never saw anyone, and to this day, I still do not know how someone could have gotten hot coffee into such a secluded area. The hobos were known to make fires, but we did not see or smell one and on a cold day like that, you can usually smell a fire from a good distance. Seriously, knowing what I've told you, what's the most plausible explanation for what we saw that morning? I was camping in the Los Padres National Forest with my older brother at a spot we frequented. Before we went to bed we heard this screaming off in the hillsides. It sounded like a woman crying but screaming at the same time. We ignored it since it seemed far away and decided to go to bed. 
were woken up in the middle of the night by something massive circling the tent and the same screaming. We kept still for over 30 minutes trying not to move at all. My brother and I were mind blown by the size of the visitor. It would touch the tent every one in a while, but at the very top without getting off its four feet. Eventually it left the camp. The next morning, there were plenty of prints revealing a massive mountain lion. I'm used to seeing mountain lion tracks where I grew up but these made anything I've seen before look small. Back in high school I would go on hikes with a small group of friends pretty often. One of my friends worked at a donut shop so he would usually bring a dozen of donuts for everyone to eat before the hike. One day we all show up to hike around 8am and it's business as usual. We all park at the usual spot, my friend shows up with the donuts, we eat the donuts and we're on our way. That day only like 5 or 6 people showed up to hike so there were leftover donuts, about 4 or 5 leftover donuts. Where we parked was distant from any road and pretty secluded so we didn't think much of just leaving the box of leftover donuts on the hood of my friend's car while we hiked. The hike back down was solely fueled by the thought of having another donut, so we were excited. When we finally got back to the cars and opened the box of donuts we saw that each donut had one single bite taken out of them, like if someone just came by and decided to try every donut and put them back. The trail was empty that day so another hiker eating our donuts was unlikely and it could have been an animal but the bite seemed to be a human's bite and the donuts were neatly put back. We figured it might have been a bum or a homeless person but even that seemed far-fetched to us. Whoever or whatever ate our donuts that day is either extremely indecisive or extremely considerate. Now let me tell you about my next story this one's nowhere near as hair raising as the other one but hey here it goes. This one is from many years ago from when I was a pre-teen slash early teens. I was fishing with my dad and brother in dad's bass boat on a lake in Kentucky. We were night fishing for largemouth and had a decent night so far. Well I get the usual tap tap so I set the hook hard and though I was hung up so dad takes the rod to see if he can get it loose when it starts moving he hands the rod back thinking I've got a large cat or maybe a possible lake record base. So here I am in a stalemate with something big on the other end I would gain a little line it would strip it back off. This goes on for about 10 minutes although for me it seemed like an eternity. Well I finally get the edge and whatever it is is coming up I get it to the surface and dad yells out cut the line now. I ask him why and refused when made out what it was he had swore I had hooked a body when in turn it was very large snapping turtle. The turtle bit my jig and I had managed to set the hook in the turtle's fleshy part of the mouth. One night when we were out camping in Alabama. We saw an aircraft hanging over us. We weren't all that far from Montgomery, so we figured it was just a helicopter or something. The only problem was, it didn't make any noise, there was no alcohol or drugs involved during our trip so everyone was sober. My cousin got the idea to call his dad, who worked for the Air Force. My uncle was up in the control tower checking radars and he said there was a blip, but there was no flight information about it. The aircraft slowly started to move over us, and we still heard no noise. There was only a breezy downdraft from it. My uncle called us back and said they were launching two fighter jets to check it out. By this time, the strange aircraft moved away, and we could just barely see the lights through the trees. Maybe three minutes later the jets flew over a couple of times. When we got home, my uncle said they never saw anything out there and the ship disappeared from their radars by the time the jets were in flight. So I often go up to Alaska to visit my grandparents and go fly fishing. It has to be my favorite hobby besides music. Anyways this one summer when I was about 14 I had an interesting experience. Well me and my grandfather are hiking down this trail to our favorite fishing spot. It's about an 8 hour walk. We carry intense, food and fishing gear. 
Anyways when we are about halfway through the walk we find that in the middle of the trail is what looks like in a giant A2 trees were broken at the stump on either side of the trail and leaned against each other at the tips. These were these medium sized bushy pine trees you see all over the mountain sides. So we think nothing of it and pass under it and keep walking until we finally get to our campsite. When we get there we find more trees broken like the one before. Not just haphazardly but literally the exact same way. Both me and my grandfather are confused as hell about this but whatever it's probably some dumbasses that found this place and wanted to scare people. Oh well people were here messing around let's get set up. So we do and settle in for the night. I'm in my single person tent and my grandfather is in is a few feet away. I fall asleep pretty quick. Some time later that night my grandfather starts shaking me by the shoulder and telling me to wake up. I crawl out of the tent to look around. It was that time of year that night is just perpetual twilight so we could still see pretty well. All of the sudden I hear this high pitched scream. Like if you ever heard a lynx scream it would have been pretty much dead on but it had some weird twinge to it. We both wrote it off as such but I still thought something was off about it as we sat there listening to it. The next morning we got up and started fishing. It was going great, both me and my grandfather had caught a lot of grayling dot we had moved down to where our backs were to this berm that was covered in brush. At the top were these good sized rocks. After a about 30 minutes there we hear this loud racket coming from camp like someone was throwing shit around. That same link scream was coming from the direction of our camp. And as soon as that one scream went up a second one started from behind the berm. We both flip around and start looking at the berm while glancing back to camp. We start seeing something moving just over the other side. This weird looking head kept popping up and down. It was a dark gray head shaped like Patrick stars. We only saw what we thought was the forehead and up. Before we could make it out this boulder, no joke, bigger than me at the time, comes flying over and lands right in front of me and my grandfather. Of course we bolt back to camp. When we get there we find that all of our gear is trashed. The tent had shreds in it, our coolers were thrown everywhere and our packs torn open. We heard the damn scream again and started running. We ran and ran and ran until I puked. All the while we would hear whoops and the screams from far off behind us. When we made it back to that A-shaped thing, the trees were snapped in half and thrown to the side. We finally made it back to my grandfather's truck and drove the F out of there. Never going back there again. I don't want to know what it was and frankly I don't care. I'm just glad I got out of there. I used to live in a log cabin in the middle of nowhere in Missouri when I was younger. My cousins living right across the field from us and grandparents living right down the road. Anyway us kids would go out playing in the woods, usually we stayed pretty close to the house but one day we wandered pretty far into the woods just to see what we can find. We end up coming out of the woods in this open field on this hill that overlooks a huge field of crops. In the middle of hill is a super worn down green cabin, decent size, probably barn size. Being kids of course, we go to check it out. Inside are books, really, really old books. And not like books on shelves, like some secret library, no, a huge mound of books like flowing out of the house. You couldn't even see the floor of the cabin. Just humongous pile of books took up every room, every cabinet. And in the first big room, I guess what was a living room area, my cousin could almost touch the ceiling when he was standing at the top of the pile. Drove past it about two years ago, there's a back road by the farmer's field that looks up at the hill, the cabin's torn down now, with orange tape wrapped around it. One of the oddest things I've ever experienced in my life. I live in Delhi. India and love the Himalayas for its beautiful snow peaks and never miss a chance to go there whether solo or with group. I always avoided the popular tourist places. I've my fair share of strange creepy experiences but this one beats them all, however I was not alone but with a friend and it happened around 10 years back. We spent a night at Chamoli, 
then we take small road from it, instead of sticking to our plan and decided to explore that area, and went quite far that there were no cell phone signals and no villages nearby. After 3 p.m., we fortunately saw a local cowboy and asked him for a hotel nearby. He told us that there is one hotel on a nearby road. After one hour we reached that hotel. The hotel owner was surprised to see us, said that he normally gets very few visitors. We were pretty tired and went to sleep after dinner. During sleep, I had this weird dream. I remember it very vaguely now. I saw three beautiful women, probably in 30s, all in traditional dress and jewelry kinda centuries old, never seen before. I could not understand their language, it was not Hindi. It was like we all four are sitting in there talking to each other and to me, probably trying to explain something to me, but I just could not understand what they are saying. I woke up in morning and talked to my friend about this. He also had the same dream and it was the same three ladies. Imagine our reaction. We were shocked, horrified and wanted to get out of there ASAP. We went to hotel owner. He looked at our face and started laughing. He then said, looks like you dream last night and we must have seen the three ladies in dream. This really freaked us out. However, he told us a story about dreams. This dream happens to all the new travelers and only happened first time and not again. He said he also had the same dream when he bought that hotel and stayed there for first time he also said he wanted to experience the dream again and again as three women are really beautiful and nearby villagers also told about this dream to hotel owner. The local legend is that those three women were queens of a local king long time back. The king had a war with invading Islamic army and when news of king being martyred arrived, they all decided to become Sudi before the invading king arrives. They all died on that mountain. Before that I was totally a science guy and never believed in things like that, but after experiencing it firsthand. I now believe in things like this.